taking charge. Is reading your book, Mr. Karnofsky? Fine, but Mummy wouldn't want you to stare on the bus. No luck. Must be phrenology they were studying at St. Mary's. Zuckerman's companion had meanwhile turned to the seat directly behind to explain to the woman there the big goings-on, make her a part of it, the family of man. I'm sitting next to a guy who just made a million bucks, probably two. Well, said a gentle ladylike voice, I hope all that money doesn't change him. Fifteen blocks north of the investment specialist's office, Zuckerman pulled the cord and got off. Surely here, in the garden spot of anime, it was still possible to be nobody on the rush-hour streets. If not, try a mustache. This may be far from life as you feel, see, know, and wish to know it, but if all it takes is a mustache, then for Christ's sake, grow one. You are not Paul Newman, but you're no longer who you used to be, either. A mustache. Contact lenses. Maybe a colorful costume would help. Try looking the way everybody does today instead of the way everybody looked twenty years ago in Humanities too. Less like Albert Einstein, more like Jimi Hendrix, and you won't stick out so much. And what about your gait while you're at it? He was always meaning to work on that anyway. Zuckerman moved with his knees too close together and at a much too hurried pace. A man six feet tall should amble more. But he could never remember about ambling after the first dozen steps. Twenty, thirty paces, and he was lost in his thoughts instead of thinking about his stride. Well, now was the time to get on with it, especially with his sex credentials coming under scrutiny in the press. As aggressive in the walk as in the work. You're a millionaire. Walk like one. People are watching. The joke was on him. Someone was the woman who'd had to be told on the bus why everyone else was agog, a tall, thin, elderly woman, her face heavily powdered. Only, why was she running after him and undoing the latch on her purse? Suddenly his adrenaline advised Zuckerman to run, too. You see, not everybody was delighted by this book that was making Zuckerman a fortune. Plenty of people had already written to tell him off. For depicting Jews in a peep-show atmosphere of total perversion, for depicting Jews in acts of adultery, exhibitionism, masturbation, sodomy, fetishism, and whoremongery, somebody with letterhead stationery as impressive as the President's had even suggested that he ought to be shot. And in the spring of 1969, this was no longer just an expression. Vietnam was a slaughterhouse, and off the battlefield as well as on, many Americans had gone berserk. Just about a year before, Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy had been gunned down by assassins. Closer to home, a former teacher of Zuckerman's was still hiding out because a rifle had been fired at him through his kitchen window as he'd been sitting at his table one night with a glass of warm milk and a Woodhouse novel. The retired bachelor had taught Middle English at the University of Chicago for thirty-five years— The course had been hard, though not that hard, but a bloody nose wasn't enough anymore. Blowing people apart seemed to have replaced the roundhouse punch in the daydreams of the aggrieved. Only annihilation gave satisfaction that lasted. At the Democratic Convention the summer before, hundreds had been beaten with clubs and trampled by horses and thrown through plate-glass windows for offenses against order and decency less grave than Zuckerman's were thought to be by any number of his correspondents. It didn't strike Zuckerman as at all unlikely that in a seedy room somewhere, the life cover featuring his face, unmustached, 
had been tacked up within dart-throwing distance of the bed of some loner. Those cover stories were enough of a trial for a writer's writer friends, let alone for a semi-literate psychopath who might not know about all the good deeds he did at the pen club. Oh, madam, if only you knew the real me! Don't shoot! I am a serious writer as well as one of the boys! But it was too late to plead his cause. Behind her rimless spectacles, the powdered zealot's pale green eyes were glazed with conviction. At point-blank range she had hold of his arm. Don't! She was not young, and it was a struggle for her to catch her breath. Don't let all that money change you, whoever you may be. Money never made anybody happy. Only he can do that. And from her luger-sized purse, she removed a picture postcard of Jesus and pressed it into his hand. There is not a just man upon earth.